Hallelujah. Father God, we declare tonight, God, that you are good. Lord, you said that there is none good but you, but the Father. And Lord, you are a good God, a gracious God. God, you are the God, the, the defining rod, Lord of good. God, that we just honor you tonight and we glorify you. And we thank you, God, that you're consistently good to your people. And God, that we can count on your mercies being renewed every morning because of your faithfulness, Lord. And we honor you this evening and we bless your name. And God, those that are watching right now on Facebook and YouTube, God, whether, whether live or watching at a later time, God, we just pause this moment to declare the goodness of God, the blessing and the favor of God over every individual that, that's, that's hearing my voice right now. God, I declare your blessing. I declare your favor. I declare your goodness. I declare your peace. I declare your grace. God, we honor you tonight and we glorify you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight. And I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Uh, some are prayerfully tuning in live right now. And we are just excited for that. And there will be more that will watch later. And we honor you for that. And uh, we just pray the blessing of the Lord over our people. Um, it won't be long. I, we are gathering already on Sunday mornings, and it's just been awesome. We've just been having an outpouring of the Spirit every gathering since Mother's Day. Uh, the Lord has been so faithful since we have re-gathered uh, since May 10th. And we will be gathering live for Wednesday nights on uh, July 1st. So the first Wednesday in July... Uh, be here in the sanctuary. Uh, we'll have the kids programs, uh, Royal Rangers, Girls Ministry uh, functioning. And uh, we'll have the, the adult Bible study in here. And we'll be trying to find our pathway back to uh, the church we all know and love. Amen. So uh, if you can just come and be with us uh, on that day. And until then, continue to watch on Wednesday nights via Facebook and YouTube. Continue to be here on Sunday mornings at 1045. Also on June 28th, that Sunday, uh, we'll be offering real-life discipleship classes at 930. Uh, so we'll be starting back that 930 discipleship hour. And uh, we'll be offering a new class called um, a Fresh Start. And uh, myself and Pastor Dominic will be co-teaching that class uh, it, it will take us through till the first week of September. Uh, that class will be offered in the fellowship hall. And uh, we would encourage you, if you're new to church or want to resharpen your understanding of church, uh, get in there. Just maybe you're new to the Assemblies of God. Come to that class. It'll be a good class. It will also serve as a new members class. So those that are desiring to, to join the church should definitely be in that class. But it's not just for new members. It's for all of those that would like to be a part of it. Then we'll also be having our uh, 
traditional Sunday school class, Brother Dan Goulet, I know is chomping at the bits and ready to uh, get back to teaching. And he'll be teaching uh, the traditional Sunday school class uh, that same week. And then, of course, our kids' classes will be going. The Fresh Start class will also be offered as a Zoom class. Uh, so those that are not able to attend in person can uh, log in and watch uh, through your computer and be interactive. Uh, we'll have someone watching the computer and giving you an opportunity to share. And it'll be an interactive class. This is something we've never tried before. So we'll have to figure out the details of it. Uh, but we are looking forward to that. So that'll be offered the first virtual class like that that we've offered uh, so if you want to take advantage of it that way or maybe you're going to be here for most of that quarter but there's a week that you're going to be out of town or there's a week that you're you don't have to miss the, the class you can still participate via zoom so um, if you don't know how to do that uh, we'll we'll instruct you it's not difficult and we go to zoom.com but we can we can help you figure out how to do that and send out some information and some links on how to do that as well. So that's all coming up. Um, I want you to, to ask you just to take a quick moment. I'm going to pray uh, over the finances of the church. We'll pause right here and give you the opportunity to remind you. Pull out your cell phone. Maybe you're watching on your cell phone. Uh, you can probably minimize what you're watching and, and go to uh, uh, text to give or uh, uh, go to our website and give. Uh, but this is our offering time. The enemy's still uh, still out there and still working, and uh, we still need finances to function. I'll be saying more about it uh, coming up. But just today, wow. well, actually, yesterday, but just today, we got it diagnosed. Our uh, air conditioner in our offices in one of our classrooms bit the dust. $4,500, just like that. Uh, it can't be replaced. If something can't be repaired, it's got to be replaced. And uh, it's, it's old. And um, so uh, just be faithful with your giving. That's all right. We're not going to be discouraged. We're going to keep moving forward. Uh, these things happen. But God always provides. So uh, just give, give, give. I'm going to pray blessing over you now. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for every gift and every giver. Father, maybe you can lay on somebody's heart right now, God that's watching us, live or later. God, you can prick their heart. God, there may be somebody there that just says, I'm going to undertake that entire bill. I want to bless the church with a new air conditioner. To God be the glory. But maybe there's many that says, I can't do that. But I want to give something toward that project. $100, $50, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And uh, we just pray, God, that you would bless them. And God, then the regular tithes and offerings, Lord, that help us to function every day. And the ministry to continue to go forward. God, I bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we are going to continue our Bible study. Uh, we have been going through, uh, we went through the book of James and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed studying it and have an opportunity to share. And uh, when, I'm, when I study something like that, the Lord's always teaching me. 
Uh, and so it's, it's enjoyable. And then we've started the last uh, few weeks going through the book of 1 Timothy. And uh, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3 tonight. And um, I'll be honest, when I first read it, I thought, Lord, uh, as, as, considering to teach this, I said, this is not going to be a very exciting teaching. This is just about uh, qualifications to be a, a, a church elder or pastor or deacon. And uh, that doesn't apply to everyone. And not everybody's going to hear just a list of qualifications. Uh, but then the Lord laid some things on my heart that I think will be uh, helpful to us. And um, uh, first of all, even if you don't desire to be a deacon or an elder or a pastor, you ought to desire to serve the Lord and uh, to eventually take on roles of leadership in the, in the local church like that. So uh, it's good to understand that there are requirements. It's good to understand why there are requirements. And I think that uh, to, in today's world, we can see the need for those in authority to have standards. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight and what those standards look like and how we can, how we can apply them to our everyday life. But let's just go ahead and, and read the text, the entire third chapter of um, Timothy, and it'll be 16 verses, so just, just buckle up and let's read this in. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient not a brawler, nor covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be, a good, he must be of a good report, of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy or of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and pure conscience. And let these also be proved then, let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they uh, that have used the office of deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry... Long that thou mayest uh, know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the word, received up into glory. 
Father, I thank you for this word tonight. Open our hearts and our understanding, God, that we might grasp the truth of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I, I said that there are some interesting things that we can understand about leadership. I, I had a conversation this morning with a, a pastoral colleague, a friend, and uh, we were talking about uh, the collapse of authority, uh, not just in the world, but in the church. And when authority collapses, chaos ensues. Uh, when, when, when those in authority, uh, when, they're, when they're taken out, when, when authority just breaks down, it falls apart uh, because of a lack of um, qualifications and a lack of uh, leadership, then chaos just ensues. And it happens all the time. And the enemy is all about chaos, and he's all about destroying things. And uh, right now, we're seeing that. And so all the more reason, and if you'll keep in mind, Timothy, the writing of Timothy by Paul was to help set the church in order. I think that if we understand the process, the, the next chapter is talking a lot about apostasy and false teachers. But if we understand the order of things, much more can be done to keep the church doctrinally sound by building the right foundation, by having qualified leadership, than by worrying as much about the false teachers and the other things that are out there. They're going to, be, they're going to come. But if you have the right foundation in place, you can withstand those things. But uh, the enemy wants to come in and tear down foundations. He wants to break down uh, leadership. Uh, we, we don't want to ever see anyone fall into sin. It's just a horrible thing. It breaks our hearts. Um, I, I've had to deal with it on levels uh, from just parishioners uh, that have fallen into sin. I've, I've seen families uh, destroyed because sin uh, entered in and destroyed families. Uh, I've dealt with it uh, with pastors that have fallen from grace and fallen into sin and uh, the devastating effect that it's had. I've watched churches be destroyed. Uh, and, and I tell you this because I want you to understand that the enemy is out there seeking whom he may devour. And as devastating as sin is, uh, the, the higher your position of authority in the church, the more damage sin can do to those that are around you. Uh, I've had ministry explained to me as a triangle, if you can imagine a triangle. And when we start out, we're all down here. And there's just tons of room and grace at the bottom of the triangle to move. But the higher up on the triangle you go, the less wiggle room there is. And eventually you get up here where there's just really no wiggle room. Everybody's watching and everybody's observing. And when the person at the top of the triangle or those in leadership fall, it devastates the body. Um, and, and churches fall. And can I tell you, that's why I would encourage you Pray for your leadership. Pray for your pastors. I know it sounds like a selfish thing for me to say because I am a pastor, but I covet your prayers. Uh, you know, when you become a pastor, uh, you walk around with a bullseye on your back, and the enemy wants to take you out. He wants to take all of us out, but he is effective in wanting to multiply his efforts, and he can do uh, more damage by taking pastors out to the whole body than he can by taking 
other people out. So uh, uh, just pray for those in leadership and in authority. Now, that's in the church. But can I tell you that the same principle applies in the world. And uh, when, when those in authority fall... Uh, and are taken out or exposed for uh, not being qualified to be in the position of authority that they're in, it's devastating. And uh, again, you don't have to look any further than the current news to see what happens when those that aren't qualified uh, fail and then uh, the, the, the terrible results of that. So pray for those. It's better to take the time up front, deal with, make sure that you vet and qualify people. Um, we, we, we get confused by the teaching of grace. Grace is just a tremendous thing. I am a grace believer, preacher, teacher, lover. I thank God for grace. In fact, I'm preaching Sunday morning, unless the Lord changes my heart, on grace, grace. That's the title of it. So I love grace. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we can get confused because we feel like, well, if grace uh, abounds, it doesn't matter who you are. We're all qualified to be leaders in the church. No, you may, we, we, we all get saved the same way, but there is a process to become a leader in the body of Christ. And that's what First uh, Timothy 3 is all about, the process and the qualifications of those that desire to be a leader. First of all, he says that if you desire to be a leader, you desire a good work. Being a leader is a good thing. Being a bishop. Now, uh, it, it, it needs to be said so we understand what we're talking about. The, the words uh, in, in this first part uh, describing pastors and bishops and elders are really interchangeable. They're the same qualifications. Um, they have slightly different uh, roles and meanings, but uh, they're really, the qualifications are interchangeable. And so uh, for, for someone that desires to be an elder or a bishop, uh, and the word elder also uh, comes from the word pres, uh, presbytos or presbyter, uh, and that we, we pronounce it. And in, in the next chapter, actually, um, Paul refers to the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But all of that deals with the same authority, people that are in authority in the church. And uh, there may be several pastors. There may be several that uh, are involved in eldership or leadership. Um, and, and these are people that have these qualifications. So the first set of qualifications, we're going to just kind of hit through them real quick. Uh, I'll try not to make it boring. It is a list. Uh, I'll try to hit on them. Uh, but the first level of qualifications is dealing with that tier. Pastors, bishops, elders, uh, those that are in uh, uh, overseeing roles in the, in the body of Christ, um, uh, sharing ministry. First of all, it says they must be blameless. Now this word literally means nothing to take hold upon. Now, none of us are perfect. I, I know some of you find that hard to believe, uh, but you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but there, we ought to live such a life that there's not an act that we're involved in that we could be blamed for that would have any merit nothing to take hold of uh if, if somebody comes in and says you know this this person is in an adulterous affair uh if that's a true statement then we're not blameless are we uh, if someone comes in and says this person is stealing money on a regular basis if that's a true statement then we're not blameless so it says that a uh elder or bishop or a deacon uh, not a deacon, we'll get to the deacons in a minute, but an elder or a bishop um, or a pastor, 
has to be blameless. We need to live, the Bible talks about above reproach. It's not perfect, but we ought to live a life that we cannot be uh, blamed for something um, that, that, that will stick, that will damage our, our reputation. Uh, we must be the husband of one wife. Now, I think some people have tried to read more into that than what it says. Um, there are some that says, well, then if you're not married, then you can't be a pastor. Uh, because it says you must be a husband of one wife. Um, uh, later it talks about that you must have your family in order. So then there are those that read, then you must not only have to have a wife, you must also have to have children to be a pastor or an elder or a bishop. That's not what it says. Uh, what it is referring to, for those that are married, and I do believe it's probably the divine will of God for uh, men uh, to, and women to eventually marry, but not all. And, and, and so uh, that's individual preferences. And anyway, nevertheless, I got way off subject on that. But a husband of one wife is referring, we believe that, we have taken that to, be, to believe um, uh, a husband of one wife, not a polygamist, not someone married to multiple women, one wife that is alive. It is a statement that if you are, if you are a divorced person, you are disqualified. Now there are exceptions that can be looked at scripturally. Uh, we can dig into that, but the the biggest rule is, um, in fact, just recently, uh, even our fellowship has started to look at possibilities of um, ecclesiastical annulments uh, and and what that means and. Um, looking at ways that they can bring people into ministry that have had a divorce somewhere in their past. But the main rule is that we are to be people of one wife, one person. So we ought to get married and stay married. It's that simple. Secondly, thirdly, vigilant. This means temperate or sober. Temperate in all things. Uh, keep your head in all situations. A, a pastor needs to exercise sober, sensible judgment in all things. Uh, we, we must be sober-minded. In fact, that's the next point, and I'll just jump right into that sober. Um, verse 2, uh, a, a, the pastor must be so, sober. He must have a serious attitude and be earnest about his work. This does not mean that he can't have a sense of humor. Uh, or that he's always solemn or somber. Rather, it suggests that he knows the value of things and does not cheapen the ministry of the gospel message by foolish behavior. Uh, I like to joke around. I like to kid around. I, like, uh, I have friends I like to laugh. But I know how to be serious. I know how to be uh, sober-minded. And a pastor must know uh, that there are times to be earnest, there are times to be serious, solemn, and we have to take those times very seriously. I can't make a joke out of everything. There are times that, uh, that you would like to, uh, but you can't make a joke out of everything. So, uh, and, and listen, again, I'm not trying to make these boring. I'm trying to go through these lists, but these are things that if you are desiring to be a leader in the church, uh, these are things you need to be taking note of. There are people that uh, have come to me and they, they want to be, become a leader uh, these are things that we're looking for. These are the qualifications that we're looking for. Uh, a person is often, you know, when you first get saved and you're gung-ho and you're excited, we want to get you on the pathway to leadership, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily ready yet. You, you may have some things to go, and we'll, we'll get a little further, and, and that'll be mentioned. 
Um, there must be a person of good behavior. Still in verse 2. Uh, orderly uh, would be a good translation. The pastor should be organized in his thinking and his living, as well as his teaching and preaching. Now, uh, I have to be careful here because I don't consider myself to be an extremely organized person. Um, but I do have, I try to have an organized pattern of thought, life, and study. And uh, so uh, we, we have to be uh, a person that is orderly. We have to have order and structure. And I can tell you that when my life is out of order and out of structure, and there are times that that happens, uh, it, it affects everything. Uh, I, I can't do anything right. When my life is in order and in structure, uh, my ministry becomes more productive. My, my Bible habits, study habits are better. So order is important. A person of good behavior, good disciplines uh, in, in, their, in their life. Given to hospi- hospitality, uh, literally loving strangers. Uh, to be an elder or pastor, you've got to love people. You know, Jesus made it real simple. Uh, they asked him, what are the two, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. They said, and the second one's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. He said, if you'll just get those two right, everything else falls in place. So if we can learn, so pastors have to be people that love people. You can't be a pastor and not love people. That's a challenge sometimes because sometimes I get to be a curmudgeon, my wife says. But I still love people. Some I get tired of people, but I love them. And, uh, but we have to love people, and we have to care for people. It still breaks my heart uh, for people to, to fall or fail. And so uh, I pray blessing over our people all the time, in particular those that I know that are going through situations and they're talking to me about situations in their life. I pray for them. Why? Because I care for them and I love them. They have to be apt to teach. We, we have to remember that the primary calling of the church is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You might have all kinds of qualifications, but if you're not apt to teach, if you don't have the ability to teach the word of God, then you're probably not called to be a pastor. We, we have to have, not everybody, uh, you know, I, I enjoy studying. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy finding nuggets of truth in the Word and bringing them out and expounding them. Uh, but, but we have to be uh, people that love to share truth and to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to be apt to teach. Teaching the Word of God is one of an elder's main ministries. A pastor must be careful, student of the Word of God, and all that assist him, knowing and teaching that Word. The pastor who is lazy in his study is a disgrace to the pulpit and a disgrace to uh, the proclamation ministry of Jesus Christ. We have to keep in mind, you can have everything right in the church, but if you don't have your proclamation ministry in order, and when I say proclamation ministry, I mean the, uh, you know, uh, singing as proclamation ministry, teaching the word of God in Sunday school classes, preaching the, from the, these things are the main functions. This is what God has called us to do. Proclaim. We have to be apt to teach. Yes, you can teach through song. How many has ever learned Bible verses through songs? I have. Or, or just truths through songs. Or been reminded of truths through songs. Uh, all the time. So, yes, teaching. Uh, you can teach through songs. 
uh, not given to wine. Now, uh, in, in the uh, biblical times, from what I understand, the word for fermented wine and unfermented wine was the same. And uh, people did dilute uh, their water with wine or their wine with water, however you want to look at that, uh, because the water wasn't pure. And, uh, but it, it, it's very clear for those that are in leadership uh, to abstain from alcoholic fermented drinks, not given to wine. Um, so we have to, we had to, they had to be careful then. We have to be careful now. We, we have to be careful because we want to be a good example. We don't want to give sin uh, an opportunity. So we, in the assemblies of God, um, have just made it easy. We just abstain. And uh, we feel like that is the best way to deal with it because we have seen the damage uh, of alcohol and the whole alcoholic industry. So it says for pastors to just have no part in it. Just just don't be given uh, to wine and not to be given to alcoholic beverages. So um, a godly pastor will certainly want to give the best example and not be an excuse for sin in the life of some weaker brother. So we simply abstain. No striker. Um, literally mean don't hit people don't get mad and punch people but how many knows that you can strike out in other ways than physical Um, I have uh, many faults I will never try to deny that Um, I feel like one of my strengths though is for the most part not taking the bait when people try to bait me into an argument. Um, uh, uh, that happens more often than, than I'd want to admit. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've had people uh, be very ugly, and in the natural, in the flesh side of me, uh, you know, you want to flare up. You want to uh, jump sideways. Um, uh, but I've learned to try to be a peacemaker and uh, to create a peaceful situation. We can't be people, pastors and leaders. I, I was at a church one time, and this is not a joke. Sounds like a joke, but I was at a church, uh, on staff at a church, and two of the deacons got in a fist fight in the parking lot. And looking back, and I can tell you many other stories since then that I've seen leaders in the church get into ungodly situations uh, in public places. And I thought, what a testimony that is for the community, the neighborhood, the neighbors that see these two church leaders physically brawling in the parking lot. So we can't be people that are pulled into contentious activity. And we can't strike out in word. We can't strike out. We ha- there, there are many times uh, that as a leader, you're going to be called on just to bite your tongue and keep your silence. Uh, You'll know things that you can hurt people with, people that are hurting you, and you know things about them that you could hurt them with, uh, but you're going to have to learn that's not the appropriate response. And so um, leaders, these are are, uh, critical teachings, not greedy of filthy lucre. So we can't be, uh, if you you desire an office of of pastor or leader or elder, it doesn't mean you can't be successful. It just means that you can't be driven by greed. Uh, You can't be driven by 
Uh, listen, if you are greedy, a filthy lucre, if, you're, if you are covetous of, of money and, uh, and, and driven by money, there's opportunities to, to, to steal. There's opportunities to do dishonest things. That, uh, and so we have to be careful. So uh, uh, how many has ever known pastors that are uh, involved in every um, get-rich scheme that comes down the plank? I've, I've seen pastors that way, and they try to recruit their church people and, and to be a, a part of it with them. And uh, it creates a bunch of uh, confusion. Uh, a very dear friend of mine um, tried to bring people in and what he sincerely believed would be uh, something that could make people wealthy, but it turned out to be a terrible scam, uh, so horrible that one of uh, their people actually ended up killing theirself over this thing. It's a horrible story. I want to be careful even not to say many details, but this is what happens when we are driven by, uh, and I don't even want to think this guy, was, this brother was driven by greed, but when we get pursuing monetary things, over the things of God. So just be, put things in perspective. We have to be patient. Gentle is a better translation. The pastor must listen to people and be able to take criticism without reacting. He should permit others to serve God in the church without dictating to them. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, in whatever role that you, you are doing, uh, you will find that there are things that you can do better than other people. But sometimes we have to be patient and allow other people to grow and to encourage them and to build them up and to step back and just uh, let, them, let them go because uh, chances are if you're good at a certain task, it's because you've had more experience doing it. Uh, you know, I, um, uh, we had a handyman come by the house this week and uh, patch uh, some things in our home that needed patching. And... Um, uh, I was watching him and discussing all of his nice tools that he had. And um, I noticed how quickly and efficient he was able to do things because he knew what he was doing and evidently had a lot of experience doing it. I was so impressed that when he left, I went to Home Depot and spent about $300 on tools. But um, uh, so, uh, you know, my wife, I, Lord, I hope she's not watching. But um, I'll find out in a few minutes if my wife was watching or not <laughs> but, uh, but but the but the reality of the matter is um we have to be patient and allow other people to grow uh into their area of expertise you can't be a brawler not a brawler pastors must be peacemakers not troublemakers this does not mean they must compromise their convictions but they must disagree without being disagreeable short tempers do not make for long ministries I've said, said that many times. Short tempers do not make for long ministries. Uh, I, I've watched watched people. Um, I was talking to a young pastor one time that had just called into a church, and and he was, you know, the things he wanted to do were absolutely the right things to do, but he was going about it too fast and the wrong way, and he was getting angry at a lot of people that were resisting him. And I tried to tell him, brother, just spend your first year loving the people. Preach the word of God, love the people, maybe make a few gentle changes, uh, but no, no, I can't do that. I've got to go in week one. You know, we're changing our music style, we're doing everything. Well, he didn't last in ministry, not only at that church, but he didn't last in ministry very long at all. Um, we can't be quick 
to, to, to temper. We have to be patient and slow. Um, not covetous. You can covet many things besides money, popularity, large ministries that make you famous, denominational advancements, etc. Um, we can't covet other... Listen, I, I learned a long time ago uh, how, how to deal with coveted, covetousness um, because I've learned that if somebody else is blessed, that we serve the same God, and if God blesses them, that just means he can bless me, and that's how I can be excited about their blessing uh, and not covetous. If they, if, if they got a new car and I need a new car, then I rejoice over their new car because that means that we serve a God that's giving out new cars. Amen? So uh, I'm not covetous over them. I rejoice with them. You get an advancement at work, you get a promotion, you get a bonus, then that just means that God is in the faithful bit. So we're not going to be co- uh, covetous over uh, things that we see other people do. Uh, a good, you must have a good family. Uh, and, and rule your home well. Now here is uh, the deal. Pastors are real people and have real families. You know, um, but there, there are standards that must be upheld in your home. Uh, when your children are at home, they, they must have certain standards that must be upheld if you're going to be a pastor. So you, you must have a good family life. And if you can't run your family well, if you can't have a good marriage, that doesn't mean that your marriage is going to be perfect. You may have to go get some marriage counseling. You may have to pray through some things. You may have to, listen, marriage is hard work. If this room was full of people, I would say all of those that are married that agree with me say amen, and I think you'd hear a lot of amens. Marriage is hard work, um, but uh, we can do it, but, we, but to have a good family requires work. We must have godly families, not a novice. Novice literally means one newly planted. That's where I was referring to earlier. Believe me, we're getting to the bottom of the list. Uh, literally means one newly planted, referring to a young Christian. Age is no guarantee of maturity, but it is good for a man to give himself time for study and growth before he accepts a church or leadership. Some men mature faster than others. And so uh, the reality of that when I first got called into ministry and didn't even really realize what was going on in my life, and I went and talked to my pastor and uh, explained what I was feeling, um, he began to tell me, it sounds like the Lord's calling you into ministry. Well, I didn't know what that meant. And, uh, so I began to, and, and, and so I asked him for some advice and he said, just get in the word of God, study the word. And so I started reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading, just, just consuming it. And, um, you know, I, I began to ask him other things and I began to grow. But I can, I tell you, I was as called then as I am now. But I wasn't ready to pastor then. Um, we, we have to be careful because sometimes when we feel that uh, God has called us, we feel like we're ready to just go tackle the world or tackle whatever ministry. What it means is we need to grow. We need to grow and mature in some areas. So we're look, I have had people, and sometimes that's the hardest thing because they don't want to be patient. I've had people come in. They've gotten saved. They're pastor. I want to go to work. I want to do, do some leadership. I want to do da 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 I'm like, brother, let's just wait. Let's just walk this thing out slowly. Let's just wait for God to open doors. And it can be very frustrating uh, when you're wanting to run and uh, those around you are saying, let's just slow down and do this thing the right way. 
uh, but we can't be a novice. We must have a good testimony outside the church. Uh, obviously, um, you know, when we look for pastors and leaders, uh, don't do this with our elders. We do have the discussion, and we do ask the questions. We don't run credit reports, although it wouldn't be a bad idea, but uh, because uh, we do definitely for pastors uh, run credit reports, and if they're not paying their bills and they owe everybody in town, um, that's not a good testimony outside of the church, you know? And uh, so it brings shame to the body of Christ. And so we have to have a good testimony outside of the church. We can't go around and... Uh, one time as a pastor here, uh, before the church could have paid me a full-time salary, I uh, delivered pizzas at night. And um, I got a pizza order one day. And, uh, you know, all you get is an address. I drove to the address. Well, it was a strip club. So I called the, it was Pizza Hut. I called my Pizza Hut office. I said, I can't deliver this pizza. I said, I, I, I'll bring it back to you. I said, but I can't walk inside of this place. I'm a pastor. And if somebody in my church saw me coming out of this strip club, it would just be damaging. And, um, I, I said, you want me to, I can bring the pizza back. You can have someone else deliver it. I don't know what, uh, they called the customer and they actually had them come out to the car and get the pizza from me is what they ended up doing. And they, they were dressed, <laughs> but, uh, but, but the, but the, but the point of the matter is, um, uh, we have to have a good, te- we have to be careful we, we can't let our good be evil spoken of. And so we have to be guarded about those things. Those are all, that's the list of, of qualifications to be a pastor and elder. The list to be a deacon is very similar. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll pretty much not quite as, not quite as um, uh, lengthy, uh, but very similar. If you want to be a deacon in a church, what is a deacon? Uh, it, it's it's um, a servant. Deacons are to be servants. Um, it, in, in Acts 6, when deacons were appointed, they were to be assistants to the apostles, to take the load of the ministry off of the shoulders of the apostles so the apostles could focus on studying and preaching the Word of God. So deacons have a, a very important role, and uh, deacons have responsibilities too. Keep in mind... Uh, what is the purpose? When you study scripture, always know the purpose. What is Paul writing to Timothy about? He's writing to him about order in the church, setting the church in order. Like I said, next week he's going to be talking about false teachers that are sneaking their way in to the church. If these things are in place, the church is going to be healthy and sound. But if, if, if the leadership qualifications aren't in place, then the church is going to collapse. Uh, authority is going to collapse. And so when authority collapses, chaos ensues. We have to have authority. Therefore, we have to have qualifications. Um, pray for those in leadership. They're under attack. They're out there on the front lines. Um, ministers and pastors are out there on the front lines. We need to know that God has a call on our life. And he has qualifications and responsibilities. I've had people complain that, 
you know, the standard shouldn't be as high to, to do platform ministry or to, or to do different things. And, and actually, our standards aren't even that terribly high. Um, but we do have standards. And the further you go up that triangle of ministry, the stricter the standards are going to become. So we need people to pray. I need some people out there that want to be leaders. I need people out there that want to be elders and pastors and deacons. And uh, they need to understand this is, it's a grave responsibility and that God will give you the power and the authority to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you right now for the word. I thank you, God, for your instruction. Lord, that you would teach us. I know this is an exciting, this is an exciting shouting messages, but God, it's, it's biblical, it's doctrinal. God, it's, in, it's, it's teaching that we need to know. God, it's truth. God, help us to be people of authority, in authority. God, blameless. People that meet qualifications and can uphold the banner of Jesus Christ without shame. Help us, Father, raise up in this hour men and women, young people, teenagers, God, that want to uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ, blameless in the sight of man and God. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you and see you all Sunday morning. We're going to have a shouting good time Sunday morning. Did you turn me off already? I hope not. Okay, be here Sunday morning. We, I'm excited about Sunday. Amen. God bless you.